Welcome back to another episode of One Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Red Sox and Jordan Montgomery uh, and the recent reports uh, that came from uh, that. Um, then we're going to be talking about the uh, Celtics' nine-game win streak, and then we'll be talking about the Patriots. Um, so I want to start with um, this report, which came... Uh, about the Red Sox keeping tabs on Jordan Montgomery. Um, so there was a virtual meeting uh, with Montgomery and the Red Sox, um, and uh, Alex uh, Cora confirmed the whole thing, but there wasn't really any details on it. Uh, Peter Abraham of Boston Globe gave a little bit more of a peel back on the onion an industry source said the Sox have maintained their interest in Montgomery, but to date it has been more keeping in touch with Boris to monitor what would it take to sign the 31-year-old uh, left-hander. Um, so uh, Boston uh, is not out of the race yet. Um, it was a good meeting, uh, and Peter Gammons actually said it was a good meeting, um, and Scott Boris uh, and the sides may get a deal done eventually. So that's uh, what was said uh, so far. And so the Red Sox are still interested. Um, and I don't know if this is just Scott Boris trying to get more information out so people might put out bids for Montgomery. I don't know if this is actually just the Red Sox are interested and they're trying to see what the price is. They could be trying to say, you know, hey, we were interested before, did the price go down? Like, what's your client looking for? Is it still the same? So uh, there's a few, um, you know, things that potentially uh, could be coming from this. And, you know, with the Red Sox, it's one of those things where we just hope that uh, the team eventually makes the, the right target. Um, and so if they go for uh, Jordan Montgomery, uh, that would be a big step in the right direction. I was reading an article um, about uh, this from SI.com and it talks about how um, potentially uh, Breslow could be close to landing a deal. Uh, quote, one National League executive yesterday said, we hear the Red Sox and Scott Boris had a good meeting and recently made some, uh, may get some deal eventually done on Jordan Montgomery, which I had already kind of said. Um, so, uh, there was a Zoom meeting, uh, and, you know, I think, uh, Montgomery would be the Red Sox number one starter, which is important, and he would really help their team, because then they actually have a good starting pitcher, compared to some of the other pitchers that they, they have out there that maybe aren't, um, as good, and so, um, I think, uh, there is a chance that Montgomery could, um, accept a deal with some opt-outs, uh, you know, uh, that's always an option. Uh, Cody Bellinger was also a Scott Boris client and accepted a shorter-term deal with opt-outs. And so that's a, a possibility for sure. Um, but I feel like with uh, the Red Sox, uh, you know, they got to get something. Um, and I really feel like it's tough to... Um, to do that uh, with trades and stuff, there isn't really anything cooking. So Jordan Montgomery seems like he is, um, uh, you know, it sounds like that's uh, the best option. Um, but uh, I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen. So uh, we will see 
what is coming um, for the Red Sox. Uh, spring training is going on. Games are, are getting rolling at this point. Um, and uh, we're going to have to see how uh, the season goes. Uh, and, um, you know, I think there's a lot uh, left um, before the start of the regular season. There's always room for improvement. Um, and if uh, it is someone like uh, Montgomery, that's good. Um, you know, there's still free agents out there, um, which is surprising because, you know, you feel like the top free agent should be going early and then kind of everything else, um, kind of, uh, uh, falls in place because of that one. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Red Sox, uh, you know, moving on in terms of, um, you know, spring training and all that. Uh, so that's, uh, where we're at with them. So the Boston Celtics um, have uh, a uh, nine-game win streak, which they ended up uh, destroying the Philadelphia 76ers um, in a game that uh, many people would have expected to be a lot closer um, in that one. Uh, And uh, they just were dominant throughout There was no Joel Embiid, obviously. Uh, He was hurt, so um, that's tough um, for uh, Philadelphia. But the Celtics, uh, you know, had a great uh, overall game. Um, In the end, came out on top um, of that one. So nine in a row for them is important. Uh, 117. To 99 victory against the 76ers. Um, you know, it was a big game uh, from a bunch of their players. Jalen Brown was the leader of the clubhouse in points uh, with 31. Um, we saw Jace Tatum with 29 and 11. We saw Porzingis with 23 and 12. We saw 13 for Drew Holiday with 7 rebounds. And then we saw uh, Derek White who had 6 points, uh, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. Um, nobody really did much off the bench. Al Horford had eight, eight points uh, and five rebounds off the bench. But the Celtics are cruising, um, you know, and it seems like they can't be stopped uh, no matter what goes on. Um, they just keep winning games. And if you look at, um, you know, the games that they've played over this uh, win streak, um, you know, there's some, some good ones to, to really... Uh, talk about, you know, they beat the 76ers, they beat the Knicks, they beat Miami, um, so there's been some, some good teams in here, uh, for sure, um, you know, when it comes to, uh, the standings in the Eastern Conference, they are, um, just kind of widening a little bit their lead, seven and a half games over Cleveland, and at this point, you can't really take your foot off the gas, um, you know, I think you can kind of let up a little but not uh, completely kind of slow down. Uh, you know, you want to get home field and you want to, you know, go out there and just uh, make that happen. And so I really don't see uh, the Celtics really letting up, which is important. You don't want that to happen um, in a very, uh, you know, good uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, you want to have um, the Celtics rolling high. And the Celtics have, um, you know, at least five games uh, over Minnesota and Oklahoma City just in general um, because uh, it's one of those things where uh, they're the best team in all of basketball um, and clearly uh, they are, um, 
you know, the ones uh, who are uh, really uh, running away with it at this point. Uh, and this team is just so good. They're so dominant, you know. And they have five starters who, for whatever reason, if one has a bad game, they can step up and have a good game. And so you really just have one thing after the other. And, you know, if Porzingis is out, you got the next guy who steps up. And if Derek White has a great game, you know, he could have uh, a poor game the next one. But Drew Holiday steps in and has a great game. You know, you have um, four former All-Stars, current former All-Stars. And Derek White is your fifth guy who is playing at a borderline all-star level this year and you have Al Horford who was an all-star before he's not as good anymore but you know he is someone um, who was an all-star in the past so the Celtics are just um, just you know built uh, for success and I think Joe Mazzulla as a coach has uh, evolved over time with you know sort of different things that he's done to to change up his game and you know to change up his coaching style and learn from his mistakes and I think you know, that's uh, what makes a coach great is they're able to learn from what they did wrong and uh, completely go in a different direction if they need to and make changes. And I think, you know, Missoula's very good at doing all that, uh, you know, compared to what uh, we saw uh, Eastern Conference Finals last year and now going into this point in the season. It seems like he's commanded the respect of his teammates and the players and uh, coaching staff, um, everyone just, uh, respects him as a coach and listens to what he has to say. And, you know, I think it's very important, you know, and I think, uh, having assistant coaches with experience, Charles Lee, a lot of experience in Milwaukee, uh, Sam Cassell experience in Washington and with Philly and wherever he's been. Plus he was a player with the Celtics. So there's the player connections and, you know, a lot of former Celtics players have made their way into the building again, which is important for Joe Mazzulla and the team. You know, guys like Garnett and Pierce and, you know, the countless others who have shown up to talk to Tatum and Brown and the team. Uh, that's important, you know. You got 17 championships. It's got to be a situation where you go out there and, you know, you bring these guys in. Um, so that's... Uh, what they're doing, uh, and it's working, everything's working, and the Celtics are uh, riding high. So that's um, where we're at with the Celtics. Now, there were a few uh, things that I saw uh, with the Patriots that I want to discuss. The first one comes uh, from NFL Media's Bridget uh, Condon, uh, Belichick uh, News uh, on the Draft. Quote, I can tell you based on conversations that I've had with people around the organization, Bill Belichick loved Jaden Daniels. He was a guy on the top of their draft board. He was going to do everything in his power to try to get that guy. Now, uh, that was uh, what Belichick said. Um, And uh, when it comes to the Patriots now, it's Elliot Wolf's show. Um, And so uh, he's going to get those decisions um, that... um, you know, obviously, Belichick's not here. So, does that change things? Yeah, it might. Um, you know, I don't really know exactly what now they're going to do with no Belichick and with a new Elliot uh, Wolf in the building. Um, I think he he really uh, is someone who's going to um, kind of take uh, his Packers uh, style of things and bring it to New England. Um 
they had a press conference, uh, and I was looking at an NBC Sports Boston article, four insights from Elliot Wolf's press conference, um, and uh, here's what they are. So, first one is new player evaluation system, which is like the Packers evaluation system, because he was there from 2004 to 2017. So that's something. Um, it's a little bit more similar to what we did in Green Bay. The previous uh, Patriots system was more, uh, this is what the role is, and it's kind of value-based, so it makes it a lot easier for scouts to rate guys and put them in a stack of, this guy is the best, this guy is the worst, everything in between falls into place, rather than a more nuanced approaches. I think it accounts for a better va uh, value better, and it makes it easier for the scouts. Um, so that's... Uh, Number one, youth movement is uh, number two here uh, with developing young players. I think there's going to be a little bit more reliance on playing young players. Uh, I think it's really important to play young players and develop from within. Um, and then uh, quarterback, uh, setting expectations at quarterback. I think it's a really good year for quarterbacks. One thing about the quarterbacks in this draft specifically that I'm excited about is they all look... Like, they're really tough guys, which is obviously great uh, at any position, but the quarterback position especially. So, Wolf emphasized intangibles like leadership and body language in addition to strong physical traits. Uh, so, uh, that's uh, what also he said. Uh, also, they talked about Owenu and Kyle Duggar as the two most important pending free agents. Uh, he spoke about Michael Owenu. Mike is a core player for us. It's no secret we want to try and keep Mike. It'll just be a little bit of wrinkle dealing with him. Mike's really smart and introspective. He's thoughtful. He knows what he wants, which is always great when you're dealing with a player. He's certainly someone that we view as a cornerstone for us. So, um, you know, uh, that's where they're at. Uh, Wolf also suggested to, you know, he's open to, Whatever it takes, uh, I would say that all options are on the table. We definitely want to keep Mike and Kyle, and we're hopeful to continue to work with Kyle's agent and Mike to make that happen. So uh, it sounds like he's taking a lot of stuff from the Patriots' uh, playbook and changing it to the Packers' uh, way, um, which is um, you know something that I feel like uh, is very... Uh, interesting and actually might not be a bad idea um you know there are a lot of um you know things that the packers have done well especially uh with um especially with uh wide receivers uh in the second round they've drafted some pretty good wide receivers which um you know that could obviously be something that uh happens uh you know they have this uh sort of press conference on things uh, and uh, you know that's kind of what he had to say uh, it sounds like Elliot Wolf's gonna have the final decision on pretty much making these uh, coaching and drafting choices uh, here's what he says uh, it's going to be a collaborative effort coach Mayo myself Macaraw, the whole staff at the end of the day uh, someone has to make that pick and that'll be myself so basically Elliot Wolf is saying that I'm going to have a lot of input from the coach, from Matt Groff, from other staff, but I'm going to be the one making those decisions. Um, 
And uh, he said this also, this process is a lot more collaborative. We hear from scouts more. We're going to be able to determine together what is the best thing for the team at the end of the day. So um, there is, in my opinion, a belief if Elliot Wolf is um, coming into this and uh, is uh, going to do things his way, Packer way, we're not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I honestly think we're probably, if that's the case, going offensive tackle uh, with our first pick, probably trading down with the Giants or trading down to eight, drafting a tackle, and uh, getting some extra picks. Uh, that is about as good of an answer I can give you. And then in the second round, we're probably going to draft someone like uh, an uh Adonai Mitchell or uh, Xavier Worthy or a Lad McConkey or uh, a Troy Franklin or someone who is a wide receiver in the second round because that's kind of what he did with or what they did with Green Bay and he was a part of the Green Bay Packers uh, who had a lot of pretty good second round wide receiver choices in their drafts and uh, you know I think if Elliot Wolf does a value. Uh, having these young guys and developing these young guys, then trading down obviously would be a good way to do that, get more draft picks. Now, they could also go for J.J. McCarthy if they make a trade down, um, if they want to get uh, a quarterback a little bit later than where they are. There was a report out that I saw that uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, at the Senior Bowl had started conversations with the Patriots about trading for the number three overall pick. And so... There is uh, going to be a bidding war. I saw something uh, either on Twitter or Reddit, or I forget where it was, about uh, the Patriots getting at least three, maybe more first-round picks out of uh, a trade-down. And so it honestly would make so much sense to just trade down in the first place because you'd be stupid not to. Um, and I think the amount of talent out there, you, it just would make so much sense to trade trade down uh, and get so many assets. Like, we're not a team that just needs one thing. Like, we're not the Falcons who just need a quarterback. We're not a team that just needs a wide receiver. We're not a team that needs just this or that. Like, we need everything, and going out there and drafting someone at three, thinking that's going to change things, is, um, is wrong. And, um, you know, one of the things that I kind of thought about and I think I saw saw something like this on Reddit, was about a quarterback and how if we bring in a quarterback who's a rookie, you know, it's not a, a place where, you know, they're going to come in and their confidence is going to get to be high and, you know, things are going to be good. You know, if you go to the Denver Broncos, they got a pretty good team. If you go to, um, you know, Vegas, uh, if you go to the Vikings, like those are established franchises who need a quarterback and some other stuff we need a lot and you'd be putting a quarterback in a situation where it's it's not great and they could turn out like a mac jones where he was timid and made a lot of mistakes and there was a lot of turmoil and issues and it just it wasn't a good situation and you know who knows if mac jones would have been a better quarterback if he had a better offensive structure surrounding him and so it seems like the Patriots are a trade-down spot. And uh, if the Vikings are interested and they're going to give up a lot to do it, then I would 
take that and run with it, right? If uh, ideally Atlanta would to offer a big deal, that'd probably be a good spot to, to take um, a, a, a good uh, sort of uh, offensive tackle or wide receiver. Uh, Atlanta Falcons head coach Raheem Morris uh, made a jab at uh, Desmond Ritter, and he, he said, if we had a better quarterback play, I might not be standing here. Um, so he called out Desmond Ritter, which maybe uh, it seems like um, the Atlanta Falcons could be use uh, another uh, quarterback in this draft. Uh, and I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are aggressive. And I guess the question becomes, are you as an organization okay with whatever... Uh, the outcome is if you trade down and knowing that you might lose out on a bunch of different players uh, or are you going to, uh, you know, stay where you are because you like someone on the board. Um, you know, the Patriots could say, hey, we're going to trade down for a tackle and they go all the way down to 11 and none of the tackles they like are available, right? It's very possible. They could say, hey, we want a wide receiver. Let's go down to eight. But Marvin Harrison's off the board, Malik Neighbors is off the board, you know, Aduze's off the board, and they're kind of out on that. And so, you know, you can still get great players, it's just you might not see what, you, what you're looking for there. And so, you know, there's a gamble when it comes to um, making trade-down situations. And I also think that it depends on who's uh, the quarterback at three. You know, if Jaden Daniels goes two and Drake Mays on the board, some teams might not be interested in vice versa. You know, if Jaden Daniels is on the board, someone might favor uh, Drake May more and they're not going to want to move up if their guy's not there. And so it seems like uh, Elliot Wolf is looking in a direction of we really need a lot of young guys to develop. And, you know, it's not like he's saying we're not going for a first-round quarterback. But I had heard stuff before about potentially going for an offensive lineman early, uh, a tackle uh, at three, uh, and, you know, they could trade down and get a tackle at six, you know. You could trade down, get an extra second-round pick or an extra first-round pick or both um, from the Giants, and maybe they trade down a little bit uh, lower than that and get more assets and, uh, you know, uh, go out there and bring in... um, you know, even more, uh, you know, players in the draft and they get an offensive tackle at that point. So it'll be interesting to see how Elliot Wolf does things um, and if he is at all more open with uh, his conversation compared to what Belichick was. And so that's like the biggest thing for me is how is Elliot Wolf going to do things? And it's going to be different, I'm sure, but how different is the real question?